Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yep, let's get it in the bullpen today. We have Albert Eisenberg, commentator, Young Voices, also is a Philadelphia based messaging strategist and co founder of the nonprofit organization, media outlet Broad Plus Liberty. How are you? Hey, Dr. Richie, thanks for having me. Looking hey forward man, to thanks joining for being you. on Indisputable. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about some of the topics we'll get into. We will cover. Right versus left wing economic politics, and also expanding diversity in the GOP. And we may get to college debt forgiveness. If we don't get to all of it, brother, we'll definitely have you back. So, if you would, let's start with the left versus right as it relates to economics. What are your thoughts? Well, I think the left on economics is just, you know, what can the federal government spend and throw at people? And, yep. you know, you see trillions upon trillions of debt, you have 3.5 trillion reconciliation, you know, superhuman infrastructure bill being debated right now by congressional Democrats, which amounts to $11,000 per or per American. Um, so you just put that on the card. Every time we talk about a dollar spent by the federal government, we're talking about a dollar spent by somebody like you, somebody like me, somebody listening. Um, that needs to be kept in mind. I think the right approach, largely speaking from a philosophical standpoint, is that individuals and households and families make the best decision with their dollars and cents. And um, we can donate to our churches or synagogues or mosques. We can donate to civic organizations and nonprofits. And I think the left, when I look at what um, the left generally, their approach to economics, it's usually more centralized, top down, statist. And those to me tend to um, make worse outcomes for people, which is why you see such um, stagnation and such insidious and um, still levels of poverty even after the Great Society in the 1970s, even after um, FDR's New Deal. We haven't necessarily seen the upward mobility that we should have expected from the ever expanding level of federal government spending. All right, uh, well, you're wrong. And let me give you some <laughs> data to where you're wrong at, all right? Um, actually, under Democratic presidents, you have a lowering of your national debt. Trump was a disaster for fiscal conservatives, 100%. You cannot make a fiscal argument for the spending of Donald Trump. But he wasn't the only one. George W. Bush gets some of that action too. The last two Democratic presidents before Joe Biden, they actually had more fiscal responsibility and lowered that debt more so than Trump and George W. Bush combined. Let me give you some stats as to why people generally understand the economy connects to politicians, Democrats and Republicans. I want you to see the connection between the economy of Democrats and the economy of Republicans. Under Bill Clinton, the US economy added 18.7 million private sector jobs. That was a 15.7% gain. That's a lot, that's a whole lot. That was a Democrat who did that. Under President Barack Obama, he added 8.9 million jobs, which was a gain of 6% still impressive. Under George W. Bush, the US added 5.7 million jobs. That was a 4.2% gain. And in the first three years of Trump, he only added 6.6 .6 million jobs, 
which was a 4.4% gain. And remember, we're talking private sector here, right? You can get this information from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So financially, Democrats are better for private sector job growth based on the data. This is not based on feeling thought or trajectory based on what has already happened. Let me bring something else to your attention. This was published in Newsweek. The annual growth of non-farm jobs increased by 2.8% under Democratic presidents elected since 1933, compared to only 1% under GOP presidents during that same time period. The GDP grew annually 4.6% under Democrats compared to only 2.4% under Republicans. My bigger point to you is, while Republicans say they have better business and financial or economic policies, it does not pan out in the data. The data says contrary to the conclusion that you all seem to run on or conservatives seem to campaign on on a regular basis. So I'm trying to find where is the financial win for black folks if they vote Republican? Where's the financial win for brown folks? I'll give you another stat. Under Democrats, family incomes grew by $895 a year and only grew by $142 under Republican presidents. The black unemployment rate fell by a net of 7.9% under Democratic presidents. And it actually went up by 13.7 points under Republican presidents. Across the years of Democratic presidents, black poverty has declined collectively by 23.6% under Democrats and their policies. But it grew three points under Republican presidents. It literally went in the wrong direction under Republicans. Similar numbers for those in the Latino community as well. All right, that's just a lot of facts, man. Tell me so, where so are a lot of facts winning? Okay, well, uh, let's start with. Uh, there's a couple things. There's a bunch there. Uh, first off, Democrats are really only going to be fiscally responsible when a Republican Congress makes them do it, which is why Bill Clinton was known as being fiscally responsible when Newt Gingrich led the Republicans took over the House and managed to uh, restrict the growth of federal government. Which is why when Republicans take over the House in a landslide in 2022, we're going to see what the Biden administration does with them because Democrats are really veering into very dangerous territory with polling um, among regular voters, including voters of color. Now, speaking of that, job growth grew from a very, very low point since Barack Obama took over in a horrible economy, artificially lowered. But the reason that we had hundreds of thousands of voters, working class voters flip in places like Pennsylvania, where I'm from and Michigan and Ohio from Obama to Trump in 2016 was because whether or not the census data or the, you know, Business data says it, people were not feeling the growth in their homes. And Trump, divisive, corrosive as he was, the Trump economy was real for average working people, people who had um, faced slack wages, finally saw wage growth, manufacturing finally started to come up, and regular working people. Uh, had their outcomes improved and their families' uh, outcomes improved, which is why you see enormous vote shifts that are completely underreported by the mainstream media among non-white voters towards Republicans from 2012 to 2020. You actually have an 18-point swing in non-white 
working class voters towards Republicans in 2020. That's because the GOP's economic message actually hits home where people are with their pocketbooks. And a huge number of black, Hispanic, Asian, LGBT voters look around and see the Democrats are always suggesting more spending, more spending, more government programs. They never track the efficacy of those programs. We still have enormous entrenched social problems despite in you know exponential increase in government spending. And they're looking at the GOP and thinking, well, these guys, I don't like how they talk all the time, but I do like what they do for my wallet. Okay, so literally you're bragging about losing. Because when you cite numbers from 2016, obviously Donald Trump did not win re-election. You don't think the election got stolen from him, do you? No. Okay, so he lost. Yeah, I mean, I think he, if he had it, you know, people spent a lot of time focusing on Arizona. And I'm like, well, yeah. why did you insult Sidney McCain after her husband Come died? Come on, man, listen, you're That's preaching probably to the why choir. You Arizona. Horrible political move, right? Bad yeah, political horrible political move. move. But you will agree with me that a lot of working class, I mean, you can't disagree because it's in the data. A lot of working class voters, specifically voters of color, ended up supporting Trump in 2020 who didn't support him in 2016. And the he data- had some gains, the uh, absolutely. That and ended that was supporting Biden were college educated whites. Yeah, so he did have some gains in some regions. He also had some losses in some regions as well. But let's talk about the actual financial reality. Black people under Donald Trump ended up making $200 less annually. Household median income for black families actually dropped under Donald Trump. Also, what dropped under Donald Trump was a workplace disparity as it relates to income. You had significant inequity already as it compares to black people and white people and what they make for doing the same job and similarly experienced. Well, that number decreased even more where the gap widened, where now black people are making 65 to 70 cent on the dollar of their white counterpart. That number was moving in the right direction under President Obama because of the DOJ aggressively prosecuting companies that engage in discriminatory activity under Donald Trump. His DOJ decided under his leadership to take away those aggressive policies. And what happened? Corporations re-engaged in the discriminatory pay practices as of old. So black people are making less money. The Latino community are making less money. And even whites do not do as well or did not do as well under the Trump economy. Um, as they did under the President Obama economy. And I will give you another uh, data set uh, that I think gets overlooked a lot, and it's the stock market. Uh, The stock market really uh, is for individuals who are willing uh, to invest capital. Well, in order to invest capital, you must have what? Disposable capital to invest. You had less disposable capital under Donald Trump uh, based on a national calculation than you did under President Barack Obama. And here's what that equates to. When you look at the spending and the job of the average American, right? Because they said, hey, more people are employed than ever before. Well, here's the problem with that number. They were using a U3 rating system. Are you familiar with that rating system? No, sir. So let me give you a little bit of education on it. The Trump administration did a remarkable thing and I'm surprised they got away with it. When they would say we have the lowest unemployment numbers and they would talk about it in the context context of black people. They were using what's called a U3 rating system. A U3 rating system only calculates if you had technical employment contact for one hour in their 30 day survey. So if you had technical employment for one hour, that survey counts you as employed. 
That's the system they decided to use. The U6 rating system is the system that actually provides significant nuance and context to the job, such as seasonal, part-time, etc. And when you looked at it from a U6 rating system, black people were either unemployed or underemployed by a number of over 20%. And that's why you had a household median income decrease in black families, while at the same time, them having technical jobs or technical connection to jobs increased. You see the game they played? Well, I mean, I think the reason that you see a 12 point shift in non-white voters of working class non-white voters towards Trump in 2020 is because they actually felt that the Trump economy was better for them and their families yeah, okay, listen, than man, come the on, Biden brother. economy. It, and if you wanna look matter. at the Biden economy, go out, ask any working class person in any city right now, how much it's costing to fill the, up their the gas tank, how much it's costing to put their kids in clothes and buy their school books, yeah. how much it's costing to buy wood to you know do yeah. construction projects. This is Biden inflation, it's bad right. and that Who is an did? economic disaster. It's just gonna grow. The majority of working class people voted for who in America for president? Uh, there was an enormous shift in working class. Sir, that's a simple question. Republicans, and this is something that's happening over decades and will continue happening. The majority of people, working class people in America, voted for who based on the data? Uh, probably Biden, but I'm sure that the gap closed significantly and will continue to close significantly. Are those working class people? Are those working class people ignorant of their own financial reality? Ask ask those working class people how much it costs to fill up their gas tank now that Biden's been president. Whether or not they're seeing supply shortages in the Wait. in the grocery store, what did Donald if Trump they're do? at the construction jobs, okay. how much it costs to redo a house? All this stuff is all. I mean, what Dr. Ritchie? When's the last time that inflation was a real problem for people? Let 19. me go back to. Let me go back to a point you made. I don't want to get off track here. You are blaming. Gas prices on Biden. So tell me what Trump did that lowered gas prices. Well, he helped expand natural. He didn't go up against the natural gas industry, which has actually lowered emissions as well as you know increased and decreased energy costs in America. Biden has gone and cut natural gas and oil permitting in America while begging OPEC to increase production, to which they've said no. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but you're not, you're still not telling me what Trump did. You know, this is fascinating to me, brother, because even Donald Trump, as much as he lies and takes credit for things he did not do, he did not take credit for decreasing gas prices. He, he advocated for more pipelines to be built. He allowed federal lands. His advocacy did not lower gas prices in America, brother. You know that and I know that. Well, this just is the international gas market. Prices. I mean, it's not, you know, you you can't say that the inflationary, you can't say that economic issues are favorable, that when they're favorable for a Democrat, they have everything to do with the president. And when they're disfavorable to a Democrat. Well, I'm not attributing gas prices because I know better than that, just based on international economics and how the oil industry works. That's why Trump- Biden begging OPEC sir? to increase production and then say no. That's why Trump has not even taken credit for the gas prices decreasing under his leadership because all he Trump knows he took credit did. for was the economy. That's all he talked about was the, the okay. black unemployment rate. Uh, right, and I just gave you the facts on black unemployment and black household median income, as well as the calculated numbers of presidents of presidents that actually bring more private sector job growth, GDP growth, etc. Uh, more so than Republicans. You all may be winning on some levels as it relates to the messaging argument, but you're losing on the application argument. 
I think when people see the cost of goods and the cost that it takes to put their kids in clothes to send them to school and the cost it takes to fill up a gas tank, they are the Democrats will be losing on those arguments. It's not random, it's not messaging, it's actually how people are feeling. Because All right. you know, most black and Hispanic voters aren't thinking, oh, Republicans, they're so friendly to me. But 40% of Hispanic voters, you know, are voting Republican in Texas because they think these guys actually know how to competently run a government, know yeah, how to run a government. 60% of voting for Democrats. Listen, your own numbers are are saying something opposite of sure. what you want to say. Most of them are voting for Democrats. A lot of All work right. needs to be done to appeal to these. These yeah. and I work on it every day and I'm constantly beating this drum, but there are enormous opportunities among non-white voters, specifically working class voters for Republicans. Yeah, you gotta deliver policy. I believe, and I teach my college students this policy is a social contract between the community and the government. You're part of that community, you literally fund the government, you should have solid social contracts. And that leads me into the next part of our discussion. Which is how do you enhance or increase the diversity dynamic of the Republican Party? While I see messaging happening, I see black people being put at the forefront of all kinds of stuff in the Republican Party. The issue is still a policy. What policies are you presenting that will attract black and brown participants in your party? Well, it's a great question. I, I actually would argue that Republican policies are better for working people. And How? the, the message doesn't pan not. that out. Well, I think you know allowing an open border has been a disaster in Texas and Arizona. I think we don't have um, an open border. Biden's economic policies have been a disaster from inflation. I think pulling out of Afghanistan, you know, against all of the judgment and advice of your foreign policy establishment, has been a disaster there. And now we have a terrorist state in South Asia. Um, there's any number of things that he's bungled in the first eight or nine months of government. That's for politicals. Let me say this, brother. I, I I know you're making a point, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but okay. everything you're talking about. It's important, but it's for politicals. It's for people who are engaged in political discussion and narrative like you and I, right? I'm talking about that cat on Glenwood Road right now who's trying to figure out life. I'm talking about the person in Idaho who's trying to figure out how to make ends meet. Right. How are you creating a messaging dynamic so that your party can actually increase the tent? Because right now, by having the Proud Boys and Marjorie Taylor Greene and others hijack uh, your political and platform infrastructure, it is not creating diversity in your party. Sure, Marjorie Taylor Greene is the best thing to happen to the Democrats because they can pay attention to her and not uh, you know, more interesting and policy driven Republicans. Um, first off, the, re, the way to prosperity is going to be through individuals working in the private sector for their families. So the way to um, increase black prosperity is not Obama's Justice Department going after employers. It's going to be improved education in cities where most black people do not have a choice and they end up sending their kids to horrible schools which are now being you know, run in a hybrid whatever, according to the teachers union's whims. And that's why you see rates what of black think? homeschooling think go from school? 3% to 16% during the pandemic. I mean, that's incredible. So yeah. I think school choice, I mean, it's really, it's not a talking point. School choice matters for people having the opportunity to send your kid to a quality school is going yeah. to be the most important thing that's going to help build wealth down the line. So I think Republicans win on that issue. I do well, believe some, Republican some economic issues are better well. for people. A vanishing few. And well, well, listen, even President Obama supported a version of school choice himself. Um, so, let, yeah, let, let's be clear, man. Um, when you say things like bad schools, I want you to understand what you mean by that. 
Uh, I'm an educator, I was raised by a school teacher. Uh, this school would have been considered by you a bad school. But I wanna remind everyone that schools are a socioeconomic reflection of that local community. While we can blame the school for let's say behavioral dysfunction or academic performance, realize that many times these students are going back to a home that's really non-existent. They have no running water, lights go on and off. They do not have access to technology. There are some, there may be dysfunction in the family household and they typically do not have access to simple things like transportation so that they can be part of an after school program or maybe a weekend college program. So there are other variables other than the school. I just don't like it when people say it's a bad school. Sure, but respectfully, you can take some of those very kids and send them to Success Academy Charter in New York City, and they end up outperforming their peers whose families make double what they make. So, so, so I will, I'm going to highlight sure, that. And the family I, dynamic I know the matters, stats. But. Yep, I know the stats. The majority of them, over 90% of them, who are artificially transferred in that way without support mechanisms, they do not outperform their counterparts. And for some, it becomes even worse. So what the science proves, the data proves, that we have to provide the support mechanisms, the wraparound services in order for these academic achievers to achieve. Brother, I appreciate you being on Indisputable, man. We're gonna have you back, okay? Thank you, Dr. Richie, have a great day. You too.